Hey guys, today's show is sponsored by KiwiCo. KiwiCo redefines play with hands-on projects that build confidence, creativity, and critical thinking skills. Get 30% off your first month, plus free shipping on any crate line at kiwico.com real. For their study, the researchers observed 100 couples engaged in 10-minute conversations, some with their cell phones present and some without their cell phones present. Besides the obvious distraction the presence of the phones brought on, the researchers noted that the phone's presence fed a constant urge to seek out information, check for communication, and direct their thoughts to other people and other worlds. I love that phrase, that the phone directs your thoughts to other worlds, which it does. Hey guys, welcome to the Real Life Podcast, where we talk about exactly that every single week, real life, which means some episodes might be about a fight we just had, some episodes might be about potty training since we have two toddlers, and some might be about eschatological realism because I love thinking and talking about deep theological things, and maybe we'll talk about all three of those in one episode. But we hope the show feels like hanging out in our living room with us, drinking a cup of coffee as we discuss faith and family and culture and Jesus. Me and my lovely wife, Alyssa, are your hosts, and don't hesitate to hit us up or reach out on social media to say hi or comment on this week's episode. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back to the Real Life Podcast. I'm Jeff, coming at you solo again, another week I'm really excited about this chapter, you guys, and this is the last one. This is launch week for the book, so for those who have been in the book club and you ordered the book, uh, you should get it this week, anywhere books are sold, but man, how fun has this been? I've really, really enjoyed doing this with you guys. It's been an absolute honor, Um, and I've just loved the conversation, like on social media, the way you guys have come on on Instagram and shared stuff and encouraged, and it's been really, really, really cool. Real quick before I get to chapter five, which is about you need people engage in person. Again, just want to give a huge shout out to you guys for the yippee support. Um, episode six, which I believe, oh yeah, the goodness and mercy tag. That was a super fun one. If you watched that, let me know what you thought on Instagram. It was a blast. Um, we've been loving doing that show. We only got four episodes left, so it should be really, really fun. Again, if you want to just watch it for free for a week um, and check out the service, just go to jeffandalyssa.com slash yippee, Y-I-P-P-E-E, and that'll put in the nice sweet code they gave us to give to you guys. Again, jeffandalyssa.com slash Y-I-P-P-E-E, um, and you can check that out. So, okay, guys, chapter five, you need people engage in person. This was a really, really, really fun chapter because I think, you know, as as we've gone through this book, you've heard, and as you've maybe read the book soon, you'll see that, you know, the main thing John is attacking is kind of this, this, this giant and monster of death and despair, that we are just facing an epidemic in loneliness, in despair, in death, in people having no meaning, people having no purpose, and that that is kind of behind the million different things that are going on right now. Now, is there other reasons? For sure. But is that a prominent reason that's not really talked about? I think so. Um, And I wonder why it's not talked about, right? Why is that not seen as the big giant right now? There's other giants, but that's not the one that is seen as the giant right now. Death, despair, loneliness, lack of purpose, lack of meaning, all wrapped up into one. Um, and, And so much so that, yeah, there is, it is talked about on some level in the scientific literature that there is actually, um, what is it? That, there's, that they actually categorize deaths now into this bucket called um, deaths of despair. And I think there was over 150,000 last year. So let that sink in. Um, that's serious, right? And I think, and then chapter, this is the middle of the book now, chapter five, I think starts really honing in on this, this, this problem, goes through the research, talks about it anecdotally also of what 
uh, one of the main problems that starts all that it is, and we just don't lean in on people anymore. If you guys know, if you follow me on Instagram, one of my favorite books this last year, I think it was last year, or was it this year I posted about it, was Lost Connections by, what's his name, Johan Hari, and it's all about depression and anxiety, and it's just, the research is so fascinating and compelling that we're not talking about, right? That we've just, we've lost connections. We, we don't, we don't have deep, meaningful, rich relationships, like, at all anymore. No one. Um, and if we do, it's like one person. We're, we're starving, for these type of relationships. We're starving for physical touch. We're starving for um, physical relationship. We're starving for just meaning and purpose in relationship. And this is how he opens the chapter, which I really loved, by the way. It was really, really good. He talks about uh, this this um, social, social psychologist, Matthew Lieberman, and how his research, and he's pointed to and shown this with data through MRI technology. This is fascinating. That our brain actually prioritizes connection and harmony with others to the point that the greatest pleasure and pain we feel is directly tied to them. So basically, you know, in general, if we were to ask you what's the biggest pleasure hit you feel in your brain, most of us would guess anything that's, you know, uber individualized pleasureful, right? Like winning a bunch of money, you know, and you can go down the bad road of like drugs and, uh, you know, porn's even in that realm of how it lights up certain parts of the brain, like the really bad kind of almost drug like, um, narcotics on our brain. But at the end of the day, what this data has found is it actually, it's a, if, if there's another thing that we actually experience the same amount of light up in our brain. And that's when we do things out of service to another person that creates a relationship. Isn't that fascinating? Meaning like when you, even though it's counterintuitive at first, when you give something that was painful, you know, to someone else, meaning like if it was painful or hard to give someone a lot of money, but then you ended up doing it or helping them out or serving them, all of a sudden you experience the same amount of pleasure as you do in more kind of selfish pleasure pursuits. Isn't that fascinating? I love that. I love that. Um, And it's the same with pain too. We experience pain in the hardest way. Um when it's in regards to relationships, not just ourselves. So let's just start there that, you know, that, that that's not talked about often, but the data is pointing there that some of the greatest pleasures in life, not just that you can say because you feel them in your heart, but actually the science, the MRIs back it up that some of the greatest pleasures you will feel in your brain are when you're doing something out of service to another and giving to someone other to another person or when, or the, and the greatest pain is when there's a, a brooch or a breach in a relationship, not just a pain that's individually to yourself. And I'm like, man, that's fascinating, right? That that it, and it makes sense once you do hear the research. Um, it, it, and and it's and it's fascinating. And and Lieberman's thing research also shows a bunch of other really crazy things. For example, that our pain centers actually respond less intensely. When we're in the presence of loved ones, meaning when you're able to process and go through pain with other people, your brain actually feels it less. You don't feel the pain literally according to the chemistry in your brain as powerfully than when you're with close close friends and family, which is why the scriptures are so on the dot when it says, do not walk life alone. I don't know about you guys, but I love when like neuroscience and data and social scientists catch up to basically the scriptures. It's like, yo, Yahweh was here thousands of years ago with these truths we should do good to, 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 to listen to them. Right. And so I love this. Right. And then, so this is really what the, the, what it talks about. And then he goes into another, you know, anecdote about then how we've, how the iPhone and email and internet has done some serious good, but is also one of its, probably its biggest downfalls is it's kind of ripped relationships from the, the, the centering that they need. It's, it's pulled them into a digitized echo chamber, more thinner veneer like relationship. Right. 
And we're seeing that right now in COVID, like a lot of us, we don't have the choice to, but we're certainly seeing the effects of digital based relationships, right? And what we see is that, um, man, we're not created for that. Hey guys, you guys know we love KiwiCo. Uh, they are incredible. Newer sponsor, but I was so stoked when they came along because we actually had already been getting their boxes for years. Now again, you might feel like it's summer vacation, still isn't. It might feel like lockdown. Like everyone's all across the nation uh, in different spots and in different circumstances, either just like, you know, in this kind of this drag state of, oh man, we're trying to come up for air or just maybe you did get a nice little fresh reset, whatever it is. But the cool part is Kiwi K- KiwiCo sorry, serves both of those, right? KiwiCo is basically this awesome, um, company that can deliver either a science fair, science fair, an art class, basically right to your door. And I will say, I'm surprised at just like how much I like, I get in there and roll my sleeves up and do it with Kinsley every single time. Well, we absolutely love it. There's one that was a rocket one. This, this recent one she did was this really cool one teaching about like, um, the science of, of ice and coloring and what floats and what doesn't float. And you do all these different types of experiments. She absolutely loved that one. Um, pro tip though, with the food coloring, get out a nice big tablecloth for if it stains. Uh, I don't know that from experience. No, I'm just joking. Uh, we do, but you guys, again, your child can get super cool hands-on science and art projects delivered right to your door every month. And who doesn't love to get mail? It's like little Christmases and you'll be surprised at the high quality materials too. I knew we were. So it encourages our kids to be innovators, creative thinkers, and kind of tinkerers, as I like to say. Um, and they won't believe what they can build and accomplish. It's at home. It's super, super fun. So again, KiwiCo is redefining play with hands-on projects that build confidence, creativity, and critical thinking skills. And there's something for every kid or kid at heart at KiwiCo. So get 30% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line at kiwico.com slash real. That's K-I-W-I-C-O.com slash real. Here's a fascinating study. So in 2014, researchers from Virginia Tech released a report called The iPhone Effect. For their study, the researchers observed 100 couples engaged in 10-minute conversations, some with their cell phones present and some without their cell phones present. Besides the obvious distraction the presence of the phones brought on, the researchers noted that the phone's presence fed a constant urge to seek out information, check for communication, and direct their thoughts to other people and other worlds. I love that phrase, that the phone directs your thoughts to other worlds, which it does. Their mere presence, meaning the phone just next to you, in your pocket, on the table... In a socio-physical milieu, therefore, has the potential to divide your consciousness between the proximate and the immediate setting and the person in front of you to the physically distant and invisible network and context not in front of you. I mean, have we not seen that to be true, right? How many of us, even if, because like the obvious one is true. A lot of us know like, hey, if you're in the middle of a conversation, put your phone away, whatever. But here's what the research is saying. Get your phone out of sight, Get your cell phone out of your pocket, (laughs) right? Meaning like when your brain subtly doesn't even know it's an option, meaning that it's not an option, it goes better. And then they've done even, there's even other research too that, yeah, it creates more anxiety when people take tests. If it's just on the table, they never look at it. They never touch it. There's something about that where we've already a decade in formed ourselves into kind of these anxious you know, based creatures that, that, that are becoming the newsfeed, fragmented, quick, split, divided, you know, fast. And that's what those are words that describe our heart, not just the newsfeed. <clears throat> and so I, I just say, find that really, really fascinating. Another stat says that we, on average, touch our phone 2,600 times a day. That's crazy, right? But again, that's what we see 
um, as something that begins to form us into these habits where then we're doing it without even realizing it. And so just to, um, and you guys, this isn't new. If you listen to the podcast, we talk about this all the time. I talked about tell the hustle. I wrote a whole book on it pretty much. Right. That wasn't tell the hustle certainly wasn't on just tech and phones, but that was a big part of in there on some chapters is you have to have counter-formational practices. The only way you beat this is not by trying harder, but by shaping your space, by creating boundaries and rules where the phone is not just like in your pocket and I'm not gonna try to look at it, but where the phone gets plugged in in a different room. The phone gets turned off on certain times. The phone gets turned on, you know, black and white mode so that the colors don't glow as much, you know? There's different ways, like basically you're being tricked to look at it all the time, so you need to trick it to not look at it all the time or at least just kind of play the game, but backwards, because we are, again, liturgical creatures, ritualistic creatures. And so I've talked about that a lot. I'm not going to keep going into that a ton. Um, but I do think that's one thing we need to think about, right? Is is another way to put it too, that he puts in this chapter I really like, is he talks about, and I've, I've mentioned this in Tell with the Hustle, of, of looking at, you know, our, our information, almost like diets, just like food, there's going to be Twinkies, there's going to be chips, there's going to, but then there's going to stuff that's going to be broccoli. There's stuff that's right. Like too much internet is eating too much Twinkies. Like internet, social media, even, even a lot of mainstream news right now is candy. It's okay. It tastes good and it's fine, but you will be insane, go crazy and be unhealthy if all you eat is Jolly Ranchers. And if all you eat is Jolly Ranchers, sooner or later, you won't even be able to eat broccoli anymore because you'll be so conditioned for the certain levels of sugar and sweetness. That's why so many of us, we have such a difficult time reading books. There's stats on that because it's so difficult for us because we've been so formed into the Jolly Rancher, you know, and that's my metaphor, um, that broccoli just literally tastes like dirt now. And, and the reverse is true, by the way, too, you train yourself out of that. I remember when we went, we went vegan for a long time early on in, um, our marriage. And then not only that, but then also just try to eat really, and we still eat healthy now. But what I've noticed is when that happened, I remember like, you know, like apples specifically became candy when they weren't before. Does that make sense? Like, like apples became so sweet because that was because we were eating real food and no sugar in general that, um, that apple became the dessert. Apple became the candy. And so you can recondition yourself the other way too, but it takes time. It's a kind of just like changing a palate, changing taste buds. There was this really, really cool, I'd never heard of this. I don't know if you guys had, but he talked about in this book, this, um, this, where is it? This lake somewhere in, where is it? Oh yeah. Novo Serbisirk, Siberia. I just totally butchered that. Hopefully no listeners are from there. Um, Siberia, not to say, but the town, no, Novo Serbisirk. I'm, I'm, Novo Serbisirk's. Sibersk, Sibersk, Novo Sibersk. That's got to be it. That's got to be it. Maybe not. <laughs> but it, what's fascinating is it's this really popular like lake that people visit and then post online. Kind of like if you're familiar in Washington with the photography community, it's everyone goes to Banff and takes that same photo. Um, now it's this pristine turquoise hue, gorgeous lake name, nicknamed the Siberian Maldives. Now the reason it has its color, this is fascinating, is actually the product of chemical reactions between toxic waste elements from a local power station over the years. So over the years, so much has leached into there from the top, from the local power station that it's literally a toxic like cesspool that is actually given it that glow and that color that people go on Instagram for. And so literally with water saturated with heavy metals and harmful substances that thousands of visitors, vacationers, people in their bikinis, bathing suits, newlywed couples 
regularly then go to to Instagram. And I love what John says. He says, despite expert warnings that the lake can cause chemical burns or even worse, if ingested or touched, people venture out to it on its bright blue uh, lake for their picturesque selfies. People enter actual toxic wastelands so that people online believe they are in exotic paradise. <laughs> That's so fire. That's such a, like the, that couldn't be more on the nose metaphor of social media. There's so many of us are willing to risk our soul, the toxicity of the internet, right? Um, certainly as it's accelerating too in these moments um, for maybe a certain look or a feel rather than man, your soul comes first. Here's another way I'll put it. Maybe I'll even close with this. Just trying to keep this. I like to keep the solo episodes to 15 minutes. So you guys aren't just hearing me ranting all day. Um, and it helps me kind of hone my thoughts. And hopefully um, is, is this is self care is we've talked about that. We've done an episode on that, you know, the good and the bad of that, um, how it's kind of become a caricature, but the true genuine self care is you looking after yourself meaning look at your soul and assess it. Like you're an objective third person once a week, maybe once a month of how, how is my soul doing? Is my soul at peace? Does my soul feel like a still water, you know, that like, like a deer pants for those beautiful and amazing waters we see in Psalm 42. Can my, can I liken my soul to that? Do I feel like that? Does that resonate? Or does it feel like a, a rush, a waterfall? Does it feel like chaos? Does it feel like a storm? Now you can be going, here's the thing. You can be going through a storm, but your soul could be anchored in that peace. And we see that with Jesus, right? When Jesus is in your boat, it's actually, you're so safe that he can even fall asleep, <laughs> right? That, 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 that's what we don't talk about. Yeah. Jesus saves him from the storm, but he was so obviously in control. He fell asleep during the storm. Or sometimes we maybe even the metaphor thinks we might even think God is falling asleep on us, but he's not because he's so in control and he's so can handle it. And you're in that boat with him. But the question is, are you in the boat with them? Because when you are, that's safety, that's security, that's soul care. When intimacy with him is the most important thing. And so guys, that's what I would close with is, is man, this is a rapid fire one, just like they always are when I'm talking. Hopefully you guys enjoy them. But do you... Can you say that you're, because here's the thing, relationships, you can't just say, oh, I want more relationships, better relationships, it happens tomorrow. But you can say, I'm pointed there. Meaning, I'm taking steps, I lean in certain relationships, and I make certain decisions with the internet and offline relationships that are pushing me towards richer, deeper, deeper, more meaningful connections. Not more superfluous, shallow, flimsy, toxic wasteland connections, right? And so ask yourself, which habits of connections does your life point towards? And Jesus takes us to the deeper, richer, more meaningful well that we can drink from that's satisfying. And that's himself um, through his body, by the way, because it's not one or the other, but he says it is his body. It's actually him when we meet with other people, when we're in those deep connections um, in the church. So, all right, guys, that's all I got today. I hope it was encouraging. Um, I love you guys. This was a fun week and we'll see you next week. 